to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's roster announcement day. Something we've done at various checkpoints this offseason is to recap the roster at those milestone stages, and we'll do it one last time. We're going to go over the entire 53-man roster, tell you some notes and stats on each guy from their camp and preseason performances, and we'll also hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and general manager Chris Greer at their Tuesday press conference, and we'll continue to remember the greatness that was Jason Jenkins. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is... The drive time. That's another Miami Dolphins. The 53-man roster was made official this afternoon, the initial 53-man roster, because, of course, with all kinds of activity around the league, changes could happen. We'll get practice squad announcements on a later episode as well. But this is going to cover most of the bases today as we start by just telling you who the cast of characters are on your Miami Dolphins for 2022 today on August 30th. And real quick, uh, my brother had his third child today, a a little boy, his son, so congratulations to my brother, as well as uh, his other son on the same birthday. So he has two kids with the same birthday. So happy birthday, Max, and happy birthday to his new son coming into the world as well. Uh, The Dolphins roster here, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson. I don't think any real surprises there based upon the exhibition season at running back slash fullback, Chase Edmonds, Savon Ahmed, Alec Ingold, Raheem Mostert, and Miles Gaskin. The the UW backs ride once more. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson Jr., Trent Sherfield, Jalen Waddell, Eric Ezukama. I think there are no surprises in that group as well. That was pretty much the top five guys throughout the course of camp in terms of playing time and production. Tight end Tanner Connor, Durham Smythe, Seathan Carter, Hunter Long, and Mike Gesicki. I think Tanner Connor is the one that kind of catches your eye there. A UDFA out of Idaho State, a wide receiver convert who's been injured for a couple of weeks, but he himself won hell of a camp. Along the offensive line, Connor Williams, Michael Dieter, Robert Jones, Robert Hunt, Teron Armstead, Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg, and Greg Little. So you're three guys that were not part of that first team line the entire summer between Dieter, Jones, and Little. You have Dieter who can play all three interior spots and has played tackle before, although it's not his primary spot. Greg Little plays some tackle as well, and then Robert Jones can play across the entire line besides that center position. So good versatility on your backups. Defensive line, John Jenkins, Emmanuel Ogba, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, and Raekwon Davis. Zero surprises there. Linebacker, Melvin Ingram, Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, Duke Riley, Sam Egwavon, Channing Tindall, Alandon Roberts, Jerome Baker, and Trey Flowers, the late addition there. And as far as the jersey number goes, we don't have a number for him yet, so that's why he goes to the bottom of the list. Defensive backs, Javon Holland, Noah Igbenogany, Eric Rowe, Elijah Campbell, Xavier Howard, Keon Crossan, Brandon Jones, Cater Kohu, Nick Needham, and Clayton Fedulum, and your specialist, Thomas Morstead, Jason Sanders, 
and Blake Ferguson. I think the big news of the day, PUP for Byron Jones, which means he will miss the first four games of the season, and on injured reserve, linebacker Brennan Scarlett. So that is your roster update. Let's go ahead and break it down now and go back to the quarterback position with three QBs. I want to talk about the camp production, preseason production, some fun stats about every player on this Dolphins roster, and we start at the quarterback position with Tua Tungavailoa, and the improvements I think we saw from a year ago in his game in those intermediate throws all camp long, 15, 18, like you guys saw it on my timeline, tweeting about those chunk gains all throughout practice, the ball placement to create rack, nobody averaged more yards this preseason than the Dolphins per play, and it's the mastery of the offense that I thought accelerated every single day from getting through his check, his uh, progressions, getting the ball out quickly to the check down. Don't waste your time. Get it to them early. Let them make plays in space. We see that with all the players on this roster that can make big plays. My fun stat for Tua, and really they all were good because he played so well this preseason, six of eight on throws that were 10 plus air yards for 124 yards and a touchdown. That's a 156.3 passer rating, just two points lower than the maximum. Teddy Bridgewater, as advertised, the kind of guy you feel good about coming into the game off the bench in a pinch threw with accuracy, made some plays when the pocket broke down. That play where he wheeled out from pressure versus Las Vegas and put perfect touch on the pass to Mike Gesicki, that sure was nice. And I love this stat. He averaged 2.83 seconds time to throw with an A dot of 10 yards on average going down the football field. Skylar Thompson, the arm talent pops off. That throw to Ezukama in the game, falling away 50 yards down the field. He can flat out sling it. You saw it out here at training camp. The ability to go off script and extend plays. We saw him sometimes, you know, move off of his spot, but keep his eyes downfield and make plays after the fact. He had a fantastic preseason that resulted in a 138.4 passer rating. Uh, He was 138.7 when not blitzed, 112.5 when blitzed, 149.2 when kept clean, and 90.9 under pressure. Those are all really really good numbers. As a whole, the room threw six touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over this preseason, and only took five sacks in the entire preseason. That's really, really good. To me, this is the deepest the Dolphins quarterback room has been since, oh man, the 90s? I don't know. It's been a long time. Running backs and fullbacks, Chase Edmonds, the footwork, the choppy cuts without deceleration on his track for whatever type of run it is, the decision-making and the acceleration through the gaps, the brilliant football mind, knowing when to get out, knowing how to scan, protect, knowing how to break off his routes at a certain time, and then the the prowess that he has in that passing game. He caught two balls and ran for 17 yards after those catches for a total of 21. He looks like the real deal. Savan Ahmed, next in order of jersey number here among running backs, his speed to the perimeter, we'll talk about that here in a minute with Raheem Mostert, and his hands in the passing game, he catches so many balls in those wheel routes, those flat routes, and then he takes off. He can make big plays when there's a well-blocked play for you. Average 3.09 yards after contact this preseason. Alec Ingle, number 30, is your fullback. We saw it every time he was out there at camp. Lane clearing blocks, enough athleticism to function as an option in the passing game. He didn't get any preseason action, but whether inside the A-gap or out wide, Alec Ingle just cleared lanes in practice, whether it was Tyreek Hill running the football out wide or any of the backs we just talked about. He was a focal part of that offense. Raheem Mostert, it's not that I wasn't a believer before. I was, but that big run against the Eagles really kind of made me realize how dynamic he is. 
And if you're not sound on the edges, he will hit explosive runs in the run game. And that is such a great weapon to have. And, you know, we'll talk about the room as a whole here in a second. But I realize now, I think, the mastery of his skill set with the way this offense functions because we talk about vertical and horizontal stretch and how both of those work together. And you saw Tua hitting those play-action boots. You saw Skyler do it as well. Just really proficient in that area of the game and how the running game plays off the play-action game. The idea of this offense to create those windows and spaces with motion, with the condensed packages, with the stretch run, with the play-action off of that is that guys have to cheat at a certain point to make sure they're defending one area. And then if they do cheat into that one area, you make them pay for it with the misdirection off the other side. So when you see Raheem Mostert win the edge on a 26-yard rush up the sideline, all of a sudden the rest of the game you're thinking, if I have to get around that block because if I get hemmed inside, he's too fast for me to make up that extra step. So I have to get out there because they'll just do that all game. The Niners did that for years. Just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and you can't stop it. We're going to keep doing it. So the minute they start taking those false steps and, and overplaying, <laughs> out the back gate comes Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tua Tungavailoa, and his you know exceptional throwing on the run. I think that Mostert might be one of the guys that really is kind of under the radar in terms of how important he can be in this offense. And I think we saw that in that one single run. But, you know, rushing the football, and this is why, like, I'm so big into explosive plays, the running back position. EPA is a stat that measures effectiveness, expected points added. Running the ball does not have the same impact as passing the ball does because you, you go from averaging, you know, four yards per carry is a good average, eight yards per pass is a good average. Like, it's doubly important to throw the ball well right because of that because of the the overall tangible impact but Raheem is the kind of back that can flip that script he had those two runs one doesn't change the game at all with a three-yard run but a 26-yard run does change the game it can change a drive it can change field position it can put points on the board that's why he's been a five yards average per carry guy his whole career he's a big play machine and I love that and I think I think I finally understand the perfect fit that he is in this offense Miles Gaskin Ran his butt off this offseason. Reminds me of the Hard Knocks episode where Deuce Staley was imploring DeAndre Swift to be a guy that's hungry for every single inch you get out there. That's Miles Gaskin to a T. He averaged four yards after contact this preseason, four missed tackles on 14 runs. The room as a whole averaged three yards after an initial contact, and that speed just does not quit in this position group. It stresses the defense on those outside runs. Here's a cool stat from Warren Sharp about EPA per rush and the yards before contact per rush, which is a measure of run blocking, right? Miami averaged 1.52 yards before contact per rush. That was fourth in the NFL this preseason, basically telling you the Dolphins run blocked the fourth best in the preseason. They were eighth in EPA per rush, backs and line getting it done in the exhibition season. At wide receiver Tyreek Hill, you know about the physical skills, but the two things that I learned about Tyreek this summer is the way he works, the conditioning, uh, just out there every day going balls to the wall, and then the polish of his route running. I talked about it on the film recap podcast where he presses and presses until he can't press anymore to force a guy into you know, being slower to react. Just go watch that crossing route. You'll see what I'm talking about. So polished in the angles he takes and the way he you know, finishes his routes. Uh, two passing game snaps, two catches, 64 yards. 
<laughs> it's so stupid. It's like video game numbers. I don't use PFF grades in here, but he got a 98.1 offensive grade for that. Like he's only two points away from perfection. Uh, Cedric Wilson, nuanced and savvy, savvy nature of his game. Savvy. Uh, always angles his routes back to the quarterback. A guy that you can trust to keep it out of the defender's hands and tight coverage and on 50-50 balls. He caught all four of his preseason targets. 2.37 yards per route ran. 11.1 yards per target. Those numbers are going to be consistent here at receiver and tight end throughout this entire group. Trent Sherfield, the brotherhood routes that he runs where you run to occupy areas and space for your teammates to clear out. Tough as hell, sets up his routes well. Those things rhyme. And just like Cedric, he is very trustworthy. Comes back to the football and fights for everything. He caught all three of his targets this preseason for 64 yards, 2.56 yards per route ran, 20.2 yards per target. These numbers are crazy, I'm telling you. Uh, Jalen Waddle. I'll use coach's comments here because Jalen, it supersedes everything I can say about him. His jump from OTAs to camp in terms of learning the offense was the best, according to Mike McDaniel. And that paired with his physical skill sets, the quick twitch, the release package, you know, Marlon Humphrey last year saying this is a top 10 receiver in this league. There was so much meat on the bone in the vertical passing game for him last year we couldn't get to. I expect that to change this year. This offense was highly productive this preseason, and they did it without their second most dangerous man in Jalen Waddle. Uh, didn't play in the preseason, but man, this guy's going to be a force. Eric Ezukama, the balance and physicality and strong hands, the way he plucks it and stays on his feet after all that contact. He caught 10 of 15 targets this preseason with an average depth of target at 10 po- or 12.5 over 10 yards per target on 15 targets. That's a great preseason. These other averages we're talking about here are, you know, three or four targets. He did it on 15 targets. That is great production from the rookie. At tight end, Tanner Connor, his speed stood out, man. The way he caught and ran away from guys at that tight end position. The week of practice he had and the game in Tampa Bay was like, oh, wow, he can play. He caught all three of his targets for 25 yards, 8.2 yards per target. Durham Smythe, a multifaceted player who can help out in the running game and in the pass protection game. He caught his lone preseason target for 10 yards. Uh, zero pressures allowed on eight pass blocking snaps for him. Seathan Carter, I thought he played well on that quasi tight end H-back fullback role in the Philly game. Special teams guy as well. Caught a touchdown pass and had a really good block to spring Raheem Mostert on that 26-yard scamper. Hunter Long, route running was really nice in the games. Saw it in practice too over the last couple of weeks. The way he anchored and pass pro and helped kind of dent the edge in the running game. He just had a really good preseason, I thought. Caught three of four targets for 32 yards. That's eight yards per target. And then Mike Gesicki, the high ball mastery, back of the end zone, plucking balls off the top of guys' helmets, the catch radius. When he builds up that speed, a guy that's faster than he is quick, he caught five of eight targets for 58 yards at 2.15 yards per route ran. And just the combination of these two rooms total, receiver and tight end, the speed stands out, the playmaking, the run after the catch, the ability to kind of, you know, understand spacing and run routes within this offense, I think are all big upgrades from a season ago. Let's take a break right there and come back and break down the offensive line and defense. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Back here on the Drive Time Podcast, a Tuesday 53-man roster announcement edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's pick this back up and go back to the offensive line. Connor Williams, uh, number 58, first on your list here. His strength at the point of attack, the chippiness with which he plays to kind of get guys 
pissed off. I like that about his game. And the relationship between his hands and feet and how that helps him with hand placement, which then helps him turn guys out of gaps. Such a smart player. I think he's going to be a big part of getting these calls right up front for the offensive line. Zero pressures allowed and 17 pass blocking snaps. And I talked about his run game work in the Monday Rewatch podcast. He did some real nice work turning guys out of their gaps all preseason long. Michael Dieter, versatile, valuable piece in that room that allows you to be super flexible if you call him into the game. Like, you can bump him to center. Williams can go to guard. You can move Eichenberg to tackle. Like, if you lose a guy, Dieter can be the guy that kind of is that solve. You're, you know, flex seal. Whap that thing on that tube and say, let's go out on the river in our boat that's been repaired by tape. Michael Dieter can be your flex seal tape that way. Two pressures allowed. Both were hurries. No quarterback hits on 56 pass blocking snaps in the preseason. That's a good number. Robert Jones has a massive base, strong hands, and a sturdy anchor. I liked the way he improved his redirect and mirror ability. He has position flexibility and no quarterback hits on 65 preseason snaps and pass blocking. Robert Hunt, what a camp preseason this dude had. Seeing his athletic ability really came out, that second-level ability, his work in space, I think he's going to have a heck of a season. He's also strong as hell on a phone booth. He allowed two pressures on 25 pass-blocking snaps, but really good rushing average off of his backside uh, to either gap, both over five yards per carry per pro football focus. Teron Armstead is teaching tape, man. He's patient. He has great pass sets. He knows how to get to his landmarks and when to get to them. Great feet, great hands that work together. A consummate pro and a true leader. One of the best left tackles in the NFL. He did not play this preseason. Austin Jackson, where he got a lot better for me, is the balance, the lean, and the weight transfer that all looks really, really good. He can run guys around that arc, but now has shown the ability to redirect and transfer back inside because he's not getting out over his skis. He's not trying to lunge for those blocks. He's staying within himself and been so consistent the way he trusts his athletic ability and sheer strength that he offers. I always thought he was the plus run blocker, and we saw him seal that edge on that big Mostert run the other night. Had a good camp in preseason. One pressure allowed on 25 pass blocking snaps. Liam Eichenberg, his work as a pulling guard leading up was sure fun to watch in that last game. Just like Austin, I think his balance looks improved. I think he's finding a real home at that left guard spot. Zero pressures allowed in 25 pass blocking snaps this preseason. Greg Little. He had an excellent showing on Saturday, didn't he? I loved what Coach said about him maximizing his opportunity with mental reps when he was down. There's a great clip I posted of Coach way back in in, when we hired him back in, was it February, about um, a quarterback camp that he was at, and guys in the line were slacking off and not paying attention. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, You're not taking an opportunity I'm giving you to get better right now. Every rep your teammate takes, steal that rep mentally. So him to apply that to his, his guys here has been a consistent message. And good on Greg Little. That's a good, uh, it'd be a really nice hit if we can make a swing tackle out of Greg Little with a late round draft choice last year. He ended the preseason as PFF's top graded offensive lineman for Miami, but more importantly, zero pressures allowed on 23 pass blocking snaps. Defensively, John Jenkins, hang on, back to the offensive line, the athletic abilities to take away, the way those guys move off the ball, fire off the ball. I think the scheme fits the player, the style of player you have so much better than in previous years. John Jenkins on the defensive line. He's a mayor-type personality, could be the mayor of this entire building. Great impact in the locker room, but also... He looks as good to me as he ever has. His bull rush, walking guys back into the quarterback, such a thankless but important role in this multifaceted defense that does so much to you know loop off of that guy and, and run games up front. Plus his run game work, he didn't really give an inch in those games. Three run stops and two pressures on 62 snaps in a position where it's hard to tally stats uh, at that nose tackle spot. Emmanuel Ogba. 
kind of a unicorn, man. He plays that true even front hand in the dirt defensive end position that really nobody else on the team does. But he can also condense inside and still win with his power. His length and heavy hands are a problem off the edge. Trey Flowers can, by the way. Uh, Not to mention how many passes he rejects as a result of that. Led the NFL in that category last year among defensive linemen. He also has a tremendous arsenal of pass rush moves. He barely played this exhibition season, 18 snaps. But we've seen him do it the last two years. Saw more of those reps like on Saturday when he walked the guard right into the quarterback. He's a great player. Zach Sealer is a short yardage maven. I think that those plays speak to his skill set in terms of the combination of power and quickness. When he wins, it seems to happen instantly in the way that it doesn't matter if a receiver uncovers quickly because he's on your quarterback in under two seconds. That push-pull strength and balance is ridiculous for Zach Sealer, and the quickness is good too, man. Two pressures and three run stops on 29 snaps, but you felt his impact way more than that. Christian Wilkins, there isn't anything he can't do if you ask me. He's going to win one-on-one against the run and against the pass. He'll anchor against doubles. He'll surf the wave down the line and make a stop 20 yards away from where he began the play. He'll retrace a screen 50 yards and flag that thing down if he has to. One thing I really noticed this summer is his balance through contact. He's such a tough block because he can squeeze through those little gaps and holes between blockers and, and stay on his balance and accelerate through it because he's so strong and quick and light on his feet. Five pressures on 23 pass rush reps this preseason. Yeah, he's going to have a hell of a year. One run stop on nine rundowns. He led the NFL last year in run stop win rate at defensive defensive tackle. So this guy's good. Raekwon Davis, his power at the point of attack and that length. I mentioned it with Jenkins. That length allows him to hold the fort and clog things up for all the activity of our blitzes and rush packages. Two pressures and three run stops this preseason on 62 run snaps. Literally identical to John Jenkins. This group, big bodies up front, multiple front experience, eat up double teams, rush games, arguably my favorite group on the roster. And when you think about where do all the snaps come from from this front seven, like think about the fact that it's not just a, you know, here's our 4-3, here's our 3-4. It's like, we're going to run bare front. We're going to run an even front. We're going to go with a, a half dollar package and we only want defensive linemen. Like there are so many matchups, substitution packages, and just week-by-week things that's going to call upon all these guys, and that's why this depth is so important. Don't ask yourself, where do the snaps counts come from? Ask yourself, in what way can this guy excel? Because you're going to see over the course of a 17-game season, every situation, every type of team, you're going to face that type of team. So having this multiplicity and this versatility and this depth is crucially important to the way this defense plays. Don't ask about where the snap counts come from. Just be thankful you have so many guys that can do it. At linebacker, (laughs) Melvin Ingram, a little bit of everything. Coverage, run D, rush from multiple spots. His physicality and how he defeats blocks and deconstructs running games. The way he just goes and freaking hits guys and knocks them off their their target, off their track, it impacts the running game so well. He had one QB hit on just 10 pass rush snaps this preseason. (sighs) We're going fast. Jalen Phillips, I marvel at the player that he is. I I just watched him all August, physically imposing, athletic ability through the roof to really do anything you want to ask him to do, smart enough to understand the progression of a pass rush plan throughout the course of a game, length, strength, quicks, speed to power, bend the arc. I can't wait to watch him on Sundays. He's going to be a great player. Four pressures on 26 pass rush reps this preseason. Andrew Van Ginkle, speed, instincts, They always stand out, but yearly, he increases his strength to wipe out blocks with physicality. The way he defends that backside part of any run game and chases that stuff down, it it makes the backs have to go fast because he will close if you leave him unblocked and get there. Five pressures on 17 pass pass rush reps this preseason. Duke Riley, speed and quickness to key and diagnose, to get wide or fit up inside. Special teams value, coverage, blitz, 
does a little bit of everything for you there. Three run stops on 24 run defense downs. And Sam McGuavin, not the same player as Duke Riley, but they have similar skill sets. Excellent blitzer, dynamic as hell on special teams. He had three pressures on 31 pass rush reps, including a sack and that touchdown against the Bucks. Channing Tindall, unreal quicks, can carry the three in the formation, your closest receiver into the formation up the seam, whether it's a receiver or a tight end. With his step-for-step speed, he arrives for some of the biggest collisions you'll see, and he made a play seemingly every day in practice where he keyed it and beat every single person to the mesh point between the quarterback and running back. Just really good quicks and speed. Six run stops on 35 run-down defensive snaps, one pressure on three pass rush reps. Good camp for Channing Tindall. Alandon Roberts is a B-gap to B-gap enforcer, short yardage expert, leader in every sense of the word. He had two run stops on 11 run-down reps this preseason. Jerome Baker, Speed and versatility, man, helps unlock so much in this Dolphins defense. Base, sub, it doesn't matter. He can do it all. And he's kind of that guy that stays in the field when you run through all those different substitution packages. 55 is a straw that stirs the drink, and he never misses games. 22 coverage snaps, just 18 yards allowed this preseason. Trey Flowers, we'll save that for tomorrow. But this group, significant speed added to the room of the last couple of years. Sub package options and guys that can contribute on teams behind that straw that is Jerome Baker and his multifaceted role. That versatility extends out to guys as this group can play so many positions. Defensive backs, 10 of them. Javon Holland, number eight. His range, instincts, hitting, rushing the quarterback. Just a great rookie year that carried over into a better camp where he takes away so much from the opposing offense and he can do things outside his responsibility within the structure of a defensive call. That is big, big time. You're going to see that make a big impact this year. Not much from a stat standpoint, but when he's on the field, the longest completion this preseason was 16 yards against the Raiders. Noah Iguanagani, competitive, twitchy, good length and speed, really showed his stuff on special teams this summer slash last season. That pass breakup against the Eagles is a good sign of things to come. Hopefully he gets more and more feel and more and more comfortable as he's still just 21 years old. 57 coverage snaps, 61 yards allowed. You want to be around one, it's a good number. Eric Rowe, the force defender, fit the run, set the edge, rush the quarterback, cover tight ends. Stop me if you heard this before. Does a little bit of everything. Five run stops on 14 run defense downs is a crazy stat. Elijah Campbell didn't realize how versatile he was until this summer. Had a great special teams tape last year, but he showcased his physicality, his ability to play in the mess down in the box, cover outside, take the ball away and score it. He might be a good option for some future big nickel packages or, you know, that sixth defensive back off the bench. 49 yards on 47 coverage snaps, but zero touchdowns, two picks, a touchdown of his own. A pass array in this August of 40.1 allowed. That's great. Xavier Howard, do we have to do this? Mixes coverages, technique, super effective and press. One of, if not the game's most premier ball hawk, did not play in the preseason. Keon Crossan, long speed, feisty player sniffing out screens and supporting the run. Excellent special teams guy. He's a great character guy as well. 22 yards allowed on 38 coverage snaps. Had that pass break up and shut down two deep balls in the preseason. Brandon Jones, the way he keys pre-snap sets him up to make plays after the fact. His ability to play fast but also arrive in control and not fly by a potential tackle really stands out to me. He had five run stops on 17 rushdowns this uh, this preseason. Cater Kohu, change of direction and sticky coverage. I think he can play the slot. I think he can play outside. He competes at all stages of the route, has really good long speed, and he's physical as hell, man. 16 yards allowed on 58 coverage snaps this August. Nick Needham, smart cover corner with inside-outside versatility. The way he plays in trail and went from a guy that 
you know, early on had some flags as far as DPIs go in his career, but he's erased that element of his game with that patience. Student of the game, very impressive player, gets better every year. 42 yards allowed on 33 coverage snaps. And remember, he was getting a lot of that number one type of outside duty with X and Byron not playing this preseason. Clayton Fedulum, special teams ace who played across all units, always around the football. He had five run stops on eight rundown defensive snaps this preseason. Specialist Thomas Morstead, directional punting, big leg, leader with, ex- with a great example for the rest of the guys in the roster. That 54-yard punt to the sideline was all I had to see. Let's go into the season with Thomas Morstead. Jason Sanders, huge leg, great process, so accurate from everywhere, but especially deep. Three from 50-plus this preseason. He missed just one field goal and hit a bunch of PATs, too. He is money in the bank. Blake Ferguson, I haven't seen a bad snap, and I often see 44 down there in punts. I'm going to admit once again, I don't know what long snapping is all about as far as the skills of it, but I haven't noticed him, so that's a good thing, right? And Byron Jones on the PUP and Brandon Scarlett on the injured reserve. And there you have it. As soon as we have a practice squad or any changes, you'll know where to keep it locked for your latest here on the Drive Time Podcast. I still want to get to Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer on their Tuesday press conferences. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. We heard from general manager Chris Greer and head coach Mike McDaniel on this Tuesday, August the 30th, talking about the decisions on the roster. Plenty of stuff to get into here. Let's go ahead and start with a question about tight end Tanner Connor, UDFA out of Idaho State, a little Pocatello, Idaho. Nice upgrade in city for Tanner Connor from Pocatello to Miami. I'll tell you what, I know Pocatello. Good change here for him. Let's go ahead and hear from general manager Chris Greer on Tanner Connor making this 53-man roster. Uh, Tanner uh, did a good job here. Um, you know, we visited with him on a 30 visit in the spring and um, got him in here, and uh, he improved every day. He worked hard. He's a smart kid. Um, you know, he, he's really wants to improve his craft and really wants to, you know, play in the NFL. And so it's been fun watching him take to the coaching, and, and uh, he's done a great job. And, and so for us, it's – um, he'll be back here shortly, so this is not anything where it's IR with him. And um, it was just we felt that um, talent-wise we would have lost him. We had multiple people, other teams, just calling, asking about him. And uh, we think he's got a good future here uh, potentially. Um, so for us, um, we're excited to have him here. Um, Eric Rose is fine. He'll be just like anyone, normal bumps and bruises battling through. Um, but... Uh, he was out there, did a good job today, you know, working through stuff. So, um, at the end of the day, both those guys will be on the active roster and are not being put down. Also, some good news there about Eric Rowe, who it sounds like he will be day-to-day and ready to go for week number one against the Patriots. Next, they were asked about Skylar Thompson. Was it a no-brainer? They both kind of laughed and said, yeah, and here's the rest of the answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's – yeah, so he played very well. Um, again, another guy that comes in, he just works every day. Went over his teammates um, through his work ethic, and you know uh, he went out and balled. And another one, we got calls again, people asking what we were going to do, and and they're all saying, you know, you guys would be stupid to let him go, and there was no thought about us doing no, it. We're so. out in the business of being stupid. <laughs> and here is your discourse on Byron Jones. No, it really was just working through the process with him, just letting him, you know, take his time, go through the rehab work, and. Uh, like everything, you have good days and bad days. And but um, he worked hard, did great. Um, it was just we were just being patient, not putting any pressure on him to rush him back. And uh, at the end of the day, we made the decision, talking with him and talking with him today, to you know 
um, put him down, you know, for the four games because he he was still optimistic about hopefully being here in a couple weeks, but he didn't want to be fair. He can't rush him out there with this. We just want to make sure he's ready and right when he comes back. Some questions in between there about potential cornerback, offensive line depth, and the growth of this roster from back in 2019 when, in earnest, the rebuild began. Uh, you can check that out on the YouTube channel. We're going to go ahead and jump to Chris Greer on Tua Tungavailoa and his growth this offseason. His, it's it's um, being around Mike and watching him. You know, the other day he was in visiting with Mike for you know just a couple hours on an off day, just coming in, spending time. He was downstairs in the training room for like an hour, just hanging out with the trainers, just talking. And um, it's you know just seeing his personality coming and it's, it's you know just how he is and with the team and and stuff and you know I think his teammates all see it and feel it and you guys here talk to the guys and um, he's he's taking steps and, and with the offense with Mike and the coaching staff you know he's he's very excited he, he likes the offense he thinks it fits him and the players we added so it's been good watching his growth and, and watching him um, enjoy himself playing football. Up next, Mike McDaniel answers this question about what Cater Kohu showed you to earn his spot on the 53-man roster. He, he's a competitor, man, and and that's that's one thing um, that was obvious. It's also obvious to him or to all of us early. Um, there's when the game's not too big for you, you know that you're because um, it's hard, you know you, the jump. And level of play is real, um, but he, um, from the onset, uh, let it be known through his play that that this was not too big of a stage for him. So th- those are always ones that um, you know are real pleasant surprises. Um, you'd be it'd be a farce to say that that you totally expect it. Um, you know, uh, in terms of you know, undrafted free agents being able to make that jump so quick. Um, but, you know, you feel good about them. Uh, but you're, you're, you're careful not to um, jump the gun and crown this, that, or the other. you got to just um, throw them to the fire and, and see, see if they, they um, don't burn, I guess. Throw them in the water and don't drown. One of those things. Uh, and, but he, he's uh, like, like the other um, undrafted or the other rookies that we kept, um, they, they uh, made it be known to their teammates early and often that they belong. Um, and it's why they deserve the roster spot they received. On Sunday, Mike McDaniel said they knew going into the entire really offseason program that receiver and running back was going to have NFL players cut from this roster. Sony Michelle, one of them. Here's Coach McDaniel on the process in that running back room and the decisions made there. Uh, that process was brutal. It was a good thing for the Miami Dolphins, but um, that, that competition was real, uh, and it was just continued ops. Um, that it, there was some game um, game tape invol- involvement. It was much more than that. It was just a whole progression from from the onset. So uh, that room was uh, very very healthy in terms of how they they tried to make each other better. But uh, they were competing against each other, but they were also rooting for each other. Um, and, uh, you know, Sony did not make it easy. Um, but to those guys' credit, uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I was um, so impressed with was, I mean, shoot, 
you can remember like it was yesterday, whenever we were signing running backs in the offseason, um, Miles and S.A. in particular were uh, how they handled that was not sulking. It was like clockwork. They were outside of um, uh, on the field with weight vests on working. You know, so um, we feel pr- very good about uh, the the group we were able to assemble, and um, I I I think it would be shortchanging all of those guys to not emphasize that it was the group of them competing and but working together um, that raised those guys' level of play. Let's keep it rolling here for Chris Greer. Asked about the Tyreek Hill signing and kind of where you feel now compared to where you were back in March when you brought him in. Here's Chris. Obviously the on-the-field stuff, saw it the other night too, what he can do, but it's behind the scenes, which has been even better than we thought. Right. You know, like we had heard a lot of good things from um, people and friends and coaches that we know in Kansas City, um, but being around here, he's got an infectious attitude, he's a competitor, um, great teammate with the guys, you know, um, you guys see him out there and you see him, he's, he's 100%, you know, 100 miles an hour <laughs> in everything he does and always encouraging people and stuff. And so it's been really fun watching him behind the scenes uh, take leadership of the team and help guide the guys in terms of, you know, pushing everyone to be great. Because it's easy if you're him, you can sit back and, <laughs> you know, and coast through this if you wanted to. Um, but that's not him. And that's been fun watching him around. So that's been the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, yeah it, it, you can tell he recognized, you know, who don't really concern ourselves with um, – uh, anything but since he's been here. But one thing I will say is it was obvious that he recognized the opportunity to where that he is a, a – I mean, shoot, he's been a Pro Bowl player every year of his career um, and came to a very young team. And there was uh, an opportunity for him to to take his game to another level with in terms of leadership and tone-setting and all of those things. Um, and, he, and I'm sure he could feel that his teammates were like, wow, this is Tyreek Hill. Um, and when when he doesn't make it an option to go full speed, it, it is like if you're on the field, you're full speed, it changes um, the teammates for the better. And I think he's really embracing that. Um, it's been, like, like Chris said, it's been really cool. That's That's been the, the most fun part. So there you go. Some more questions put to Coach and Chris about Trey Flowers. I want to cover that on the Thursday edition of the Drive Time Podcast when we do a deep dive on Trey Flowers' game. Talked about Mike Gesicki and said that they never made any calls outward to incoming calls for Mike Gesicki is what Chris Greer said. And then more talk about Skylar Thompson. Longer podcast today, but I don't think you guys mind with all the information and detail we got here on the show. I have finalized a schedule for the podcast heading into game number one, now just 12 days away. We've almost made it to the football season. I'm going to head to Naples this weekend with the family for a getaway, which we kind of need right now more than ever. But we'll be back on Tuesday with a crossover with myself and the Fish Tank crew getting you ready for what's to come on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, post-game show, and spaces show. Then I'll do my NFL season preview on Wednesday, taking a look at some of my favorite storylines, pick the playoffs teams, all that fun stuff. Then Thursday is the Patriots preview. Time to watch some tape, baby. Then Friday is our return of Football Friday show. Still working on getting the guests for that show, but we'll pick up some college games, uh, some NFL games as well, get the final word on the upcoming game against the Patriots uh, and all that fun stuff. 
This week, the mailbag is next on Thursday, so don't miss that. Then on Friday, I'm going to do a bit of a hodgepodge show, maybe some mailbag leftovers. I want to get to scan the social going again. I want to talk about some summer TV I watched. I want to talk about a little bit of college football this season and cover some media buzz like Dan Orlovsky's comments. Just a miscellaneous grab bag of Dolphins and football info. So we have a lot coming your way. But before I get out of here today, I'm going to start doing this, I think, a lot going forward here. I mean, I've done every show so far. Uh, you know, like I mentioned the other day, my name is on the show, but it really was Jason Jenkins' creation. So if you're a fan of Drive Time and or The Fish Tank, you can thank Jason for that. So let me tell you my favorite Jason Jenkins story because there are so damn many of them. But I'll start here. I met Jason back in 2018, and I never got a handshake right with him. You might say that's kind of weird, but here's why. The reason is a microcosm of why he's being mourned the way he is, the type of guy that he was. I was a part of that fan site program where they would invite various writers and podcasters or whatever from various fan sites to come cover a game and get that locker room access. Because of Jason, I was able to come down in 2018 and enjoy my press box experience. I did my first ever interview with Minka Fitzpatrick after that win in Buff- over Buffalo the week before the Miami Miracle. And before that, during the game... Jason came around and introduced himself to all the people there in my same boat, newbies to this setting, starry-eyed at the opportunity. And here he approaches this larger-than-life figure. Jason was a tall man who commanded the attention of everybody when he entered a room, but for all the reasons you wouldn't expect, because in my mind, here's this powerful executive that I need to impress. Four years later, I realized it was the warmth and kindness that he exuded that created that aura around him. So he comes over to meet us all, and I extend my hand with the intent to nail this handshake with a firm grip and good eye contact. Here's my first impression, but that's not what he was going for. He pulled back and dapped me up, and that's how it would go for years, for four years. I always thought, here's my boss, this larger-than-life figure. I better be on my P's and Q's, but for Jason, it was never like that. It was a chance to make a new friend, to brighten someone's day by listening and asking authentic questions about that person. So for years, whether we had a content meeting bumping into each other at practice or him taking us to dinner to celebrate a job well done after a big event. I would say we got the hand, handshake right maybe three times, maybe. But I'll never forget the banter that came about that. It was just part of what made him a mentor. And he was only 12 years older than me, but something of a father figure. Someone who could guide you to be the best version of yourself with this rare blend of leadership and friendship. So how do you replace a person like that? You, you don't. You just don't. That's my time today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Fish Tank Podcast, Spaces Show, every Wednesday at 8 o'clock with me, Seth, and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy. Smile.